Coming up, I got post-game drive reaction to the Yankees sweeping the Red Sox from last night. I got a whole bunch of other Yankee flying high stuff as they are the hottest team in baseball, winners of seven straight. We got some Knicks and some Jets stuff to hit on also. All that and more coming up next on the talk show. Thursday night, it's a new episode of the talk show starting right now. Um, I started doing mostly uh, Wednesday nights, but now it's Thursday night because last night I was at Yankee Stadium. After the game, um, JJ, John Jastrzemski, who I actually had on the show, he was nice enough to have me on his Spotify green room for a little bit. So we chatted about the Yankees there. And then I did a half hour in the car driving back last night talking about the Yankees. So that's coming up a little bit later. Um, but then I just watched the Yankee game tonight. They win again. They're seventh straight. They keep going. They keep getting better. So all is right in Yankee world. They never make things easy, though. I mentioned last night, I kind of glossed over the Angels win. That game, they won two to one. Uh, all three runs were scored in the first inning. So that wasn't easy either. Um, no, nothing comes easy for the Yankees these days. And tonight, more of the same. Um, you're up six nothing. Ryan Rucco was really hung up over the line drive that did not get down for Giancarlo Stanton that he hit really hard. Um, and then that ultimately just uh, leads to, you know, the Yankees only getting six runs and it could have been two more on that play. And then uh, eventually the twins come back and Chad Green decides he's going to close out the game, but he gives up a home run. Zach Britton gives up a home run in the eighth. Zach Britton, a guy actually I did not mention uh, when I was driving last night, Zach Britton has looked like himself. So, yes, he gave up a run tonight, but he's really looked like himself. And that's huge if this team's going to be successful. Zach Britton um, returning to being Zach Britton uh, and the guy we expect him to be. Um, so that's pretty much on that front tonight. He did give up a run. But if you think about it, that was a tough play. Would have been an out, but he hits it with his glove. And then that guy ends up on second um, and he just gave up one single. He really only gave up one hit in that inning. And it happened to have been an RBI hit. Um, so Britain did look sharp. He was extremely sharp last night. So that's a good sign. Green, the ninth is not for him. Um, I wanted to see Loisaga, but I get it. Uh, it's a three-run game. You'd like to keep him out of that game if you can, considering the amount of pitches he threw, even though it was two days ago. Save him for higher leverage situations. Luckily, this game did not turn into that, even after uh, Chad Green gave up a solo home run to Miguel so no, either way, lots of Yankee talk coming up. And that's what there is to talk about now because the Yankees have been hot. It's been fun. I bashed them when they were bad. And now I'm talking them up when they're good. And I don't think that's a contradiction. I think some of the things I talked about earlier in the year, and I mentioned this when I was driving last night, um, some of the things I talked about earlier in the year that they did so terribly, they've completely flipped the script on. They've done extremely well, uh, you know, having fun playing, putting the ball in play and prioritizing contact hitting, even if it's a guy like Andrew Velasquez, who we don't know how long he'll be here, but another, a big triple tonight, um, you know, stealing bases, making things happen on the base pass. Aaron judge had two stolen bases in that three game series over the course of two days against the Red Sox. Uh, the sense of urgency, Aaron Boone going to Licky last night because Chapman didn't have it. So he's managing with a sense of urgency, bringing in pinch hitters. There's just more life to this team. Giancarlo Stanton has looked good in the outfield um, and has been hitting better because he's playing the outfield. Maybe he said that he's more involved in the game. He feels more a part of the game and he keeps his head in the game. Maybe that's why he's hitting better. Who knows? And don't let him get hot because we know what he can do when he gets hot. 
even though when he looks bad, nobody looks worse. And I love complaining about him. He's looked good. And when he looks good, he looks great. Um, streaky hitter that way. I had a little bit of fun. If you don't follow me on social media, you should. Uh, if you follow me on Twitter, you saw I had a little bit of fun with the Yankees beat reporters last night with um, Lindsey Adler, Brian Hoke, uh, Max Goodman, and Brendan uh, Cuddy. Those guys are awesome. Um, so just having a good time. It was a great time at Yankee Stadium. I basically I drove in. I had to be in New Jersey anyway. Um, so I drove in and then I was about two hours late to the Yankee game. Um, but I had a suite because some friends were there and so got to meet the great people at uh, trade zero that was fun hang out with them a little bit uh and just talk sports and enjoy a yankee game <laughs> so that was a really good time um and yeah i i got to see some of the yankee beat reporters i obviously you know have established a little bit of relationship with uh um brian hoke over the last little bit and that has been um great so he's a great guy um so definitely kind of cool and yankees twitter and just kind of yankee fans have been all good vibes recently so uh it continued last night and again tonight with the yankees winning their seventh straight um a couple other points i wanted to hit on uh the new york jets have had joint practice now for the last couple of days uh in green bay with the packers obviously matt and mike lafleur brothers one is the head coach of the packers the other is the offensive coordinator for the jets um, so they're doing the joint practices and just seeing Aaron Rodgers talking to uh, our guy, our quarterback, Zach Wilson, um, is so cool because, I mean, first of all, Colin Cowherd, everyone's making fun of him now because you've never heard Colin complain that Zach, that Aaron Rodgers is small. And Zach Wilson kind of looks bigger than Aaron Rodgers in a lot of these pictures are at least the same size. Um, so Zach Wilson learning from a guy who a lot of people say his ceiling is is comparative to Aaron Rodgers. And that just gets me really excited. Aaron Rodgers, if you know anything, if you listened to my podcast last year during the football season, Aaron Rodgers is my favorite quarterback. He has been just watching him. I I enjoy watching him more than any other quarterback in the league. Um, so that was really cool. That In other news, uh, what came out today, Carl Lawson went down with a ruptured Achilles. And that's just really terrible. It sucks. It sucks that a guy that you brought in to be the defensive guy for the Jets this year um, is not going to be there. He's having an incredible camp, they said, or he had an incredible camp. He was, you know, looking just absolutely reckless out there. And even Makai Becton said, because he's been beating up on Makai Becton, after the first preseason game, Makai Becton was like, oh, yeah, I was prepared tonight because of you. Um, so, you know, it sucks to see a guy like that. The first time the Jets have had a really good edge rusher in a long time, um, and he's going down with an injury, and he's not going to play this year. Uh, a, def a good defense. I think this was going to be an underrated strength of the Jets this year was going to be the defense and that could help a rookie quarterback. It's not detrimental. It's not a detrimental loss to Zach Wilson. It's not like they're losing a, a number one receiver or a star offensive lineman um, for the year, but it still sucks for a guy who's a rookie that he's not going to have a guy. Listen, the Jets weren't a team that was going to win 10 games this year. I didn't think so. I don't think anyone thought so. Um, if they won four games this year, they'd be winning double the amount of games they lost. La they won last year. Um, so that's, you know, that's the expectation for the Jets. If you're saying they're double as good as they were last year, that's four wins. So I think a realistic expectation was more around the six win range um, at most for the Jets this year. And you just kind of want to see what Zach Wilson has and if he can be a quarterback in this league. Uh, now, maybe that changes a little bit with losing a guy who 
really, I thought would solidify this defense. Uh, so that's a tough loss for the year. And it just sucks for Carl Lawson also uh, that he won't be there with his new team. He seemed like a great guy. Uh, definitely was endeared in that locker room. And kind of just the first gut punch that Coach Sala is going to have to have this team rally around and gain and grow from. That's what you got to do. Football injuries happen in football more than any other sport, especially season-ending injuries. There's always important guys on every team who are out every year. Um, it sucks. That's how it is. But um, it's how you come back from that and how you respond to that that matters. I want to play a clip from uh, the Knicks real quick because they introduced Campbell Walker and Evan Fournier this week, and this really fired me up. Please welcome at 6'7", 205 pounds from San Maurice, France, Evan Six feet, 184 pounds, from the University of Connecticut and the Bronx, New York, Cam Walker! Yeah, that really fired me up. I don't know why, um, but I mean, those pregame intros at Madison Square Garden really fire me up. And even though it's the middle of the summer and these guys, you know, they're not superstars the way you think of superstars. But the fact that they did that, especially for a guy like Kemba, who's coming home um, and probably has every time he played at Madison Square Garden, wanted to hear his name introduced like that. Uh, it's kind of cool. It's a cool moment for him. So that, I don't know. That really pumped me up. Um watching that and you know they put a whole highlight reel on the scoreboard while they did it with the fireworks and all the things all the fun um and the stuff that they do at madison square garden so that's kind of cool looking forward to that um all right so that's pretty much all i got you probably won't hear from me on the other side of this uh i'm just gonna go straight into my take on my drive home last night so if i think of anything else maybe i'll throw it in at the end but uh enjoy last night's uh, Yankees rant. Um, and until next time, I'll see you guys later. All right. It's been a while since I've done this. Um, so I'm in the car driving home from the Yankee game, a crazy Yankee game. They sweep the Red Sox in three games, the doubleheader yesterday. And now tonight at, in the Bronx, um, actually a crazy day. I went to a wedding and went from there to the Yankee game, uh, on my way to the Yankee. I'm listening in the car. Andrew Heaney's giving up a solo homer in the first inning to Xander Bogarts. I'm like, oh, this game's going to be over before it started. Well, that's kind of what I thought with Andrew Heaney starting the game. Anyway, so these are just my rambling thoughts on the Yankees, what happened, what's happened basically the last week. Um, figured no better time to record a podcast than the way home, but the poor quality is, uh, I guess, uh, because I'm driving now. So I've actually prided myself on the quality of the podcast being – really good with the audio and the microphone and all that. And this is the first time I'm doing this since before I had the microphone. So kind of throwback old vibes, but driving back late night. Um, and it's just good, positive vibes for Yankee fans. That's what it is. I mean, the stadium was rocking. Everyone was super into it, obviously. Uh, you know, they made you sweat in the ninth inning because that's what the Yankees do. But they get the sweep. They're a game up on both Boston and the A's for the first wild card spot and 
24 days ago, the Yankees were nine back of Boston after losing those that terrible series up in Fenway. And it's just been a complete 180 since then. And really, it started to change with that series down in Miami when Anthony Rizzo and Joey Gallo showed up. Even before then, obviously, they took two or three in Tampa, but losing 14 nothing in that last game in Tampa kind of didn't leave a great taste in your mouth. And then the next series, Anthony Rizzo basically single-handedly wins that series. And then they just keep rolling. And they've kept rolling. And one of the bigger issues for this Yankee team has been closing out sweeps. And coming into this game tonight, I was thinking, well, you know, they're not going to sweep again because they got Andrew Haney on the mound. You look at the bottom of the order with Gardner and Velasquez. And those guys were huge in this game, especially Velasquez. Uh, that kid, I mean, no one else on this team makes that play as short that he made to end the game. Uh, he had two big RBIs. He had some big hits. Kid from the Bronx. Good feel-good story for the Yankees. Probably won't even crack the playoff roster if the Yankees make it that far and all is right with the team. But, you know, for the time being, he's the biggest hero in the Bronx. So you got to be happy for him. And it's good to see guys contributing. So I have a few points I wanted to make. Um, but before I do that, I want to bring it back to about a week ago. Because the last time I was on the podcast, I was getting ready for the Field of Dreams game. And talking about what... An, incredible experience that was going to be and it was it exceeded all expectations uh seeing guys who are guys that you know are major league baseball players guys with big names like Giancarlo Stanton or Aaron Judge or Garrett Cole or any of those guys and you see them or even a guy like Brett Gardner who is not as big of a name but has been in the league for a thousand years and you see those guys looking like little leaguers out there with their giddiness and excitement to see the field and taking pictures and videos and just their utter awe and shock of the amazement. I always talk about how the first time I come out to a ballpark every year, the, the, you know, the first game of the season, it's always that amazement of the grass looking so perfectly green and this everything, the baselines and everything looks so perfect. Um, and seeing those guys kind of have that reaction to the Field of Dreams in Iowa – was incredible because it's not something you see often. It's not something you see often from professional athletes. I guess sometimes you see it in the Super Bowl with some guys when they're doing the media day and they're doing the walkthroughs and they're on the field for the first time. But even then, guys are kind of keeping it professional. It it was kind of helpful. This is the first game of a series. It wasn't, you know, obviously it was a big series for both teams. Both teams, uh, I guess, more for the Yankees than the White Sox. The Yankees were chasing a playoff spot, whereas the White Sox. Um, we're obviously, you know, they're pretty much secure with they've locked down the AL Central for the most part as that division has not been great. Um, but, you know, it's a it's a regular season game, so it doesn't have that, oh, hey, we need to be, you know, out here and professional. But it's also not the all-star game. It's not like guys just joking around having a good time. It's, it's fall somewhere in between where it's meaningful, but, you know, not the most important game where guys could actually – enjoy it I'm going on a little bit of a rambling thought kind of trying to describe the vibe of the game but with Kevin Cosner coming out and he said the music just overtook him he said later and he if you haven't seen this yet just go watch MLB Field of Dreams uh, game intro where he walks out and they're playing the music and he comes out of the cornfield and he's just looking around and he just had this genuine moment where he's like you could just see it on his face. It was perfect. And then the music kind of intensifies and all the players start coming out. And it's just crazy. I've never 
you know, seen a major league baseball game. And of course I wanted to go there. Um, wanted to be there. That didn't work out. Had I known that Brian Hoke was going to end up having to drive there, because if you didn't hear the Brian Hoke story, Brian Hoke, um, his flight got canceled at 9 PM the night before the game. And he decided he's going to get up and drive to Iowa. And he basically lived the dream. He lived the movie in the movie. There's obviously the famous scene or scenes where the guy drives from Boston back home to Iowa, drives across country. Sorry, driving next to a truck right now, but uh, he drives across country just to get to the game uh, or to get back home to bring uh, the kid, obviously, back home to Iowa. And Brian Hoke basically did that, driving to Iowa from Yankee Stadium or from New Jersey um, to get to that game. And people were rooting for him. Had I known he was driving, I would have offered to be his driving partner and uh, gone with him because, you know, had I done that drive and they actually got the recognition, there's no way they would have held me out of the game at that point and been like, oh, yeah, you've come this far. You can't get in. So I thought that would have been a good way to get a ticket. And it would have been fun to kind of live out that, you know, what's happened with, with uh, Hoke. Anyway, my point is what actually happened in the game. The Yankees go down 7-4. Andrew Heaney pitched terribly, uh, gives up seven runs, and the Yankees look dead, kind of, you know, Judge hits the big three-run homer early, but and then Gardner hits a solo shot, but that's basically all they get. And then in the ninth inning, they come back. Judge hits a two-run homer, and then Stanton hits a two-run homer. They take the lead. It's like, oh, my God, we're actually back in this game. We've actually turned this around. We've actually won this game. And then Britain comes out in the ninth and blows it, and they lose it. You know, he strikes out the first guy, then walks the next guy on what, like, or runs, gets him 0-2, runs the count full, and then gives up the bomb to Tim Anderson. And it's like, oh, yeah, same old Yankees, gut punch, terrible loss. How many freaking times do we have to see this? And you feel like all that good vibes, all that good juju coming out of the game and the environment and them going ahead and taking the lead when they look dead all with two outs in the ninth inning judge and Stanton the two guys who you know you've been waiting all year for them to have their big clutch moments those guys actually coming through and giving them the lead in the ninth inning and then just for them to go ahead and squander it and lose the way they lost with Tim Anderson taunting them and the fireworks going off you felt like same old Yankees this is never gonna change and all the Yankees have done since then is win every game they've played. They win the final two games on Saturday and Sunday in Chicago. Um, obviously, neither one was easy. The very next day, or the very next game, two days later, after Zach Britton says, hey, I'm not fit to be closing games, Aaron Boone brings him in with, what, a three-run lead in the 10th inning to close out that game. And obviously, he can't even get through that inning, and he asked he has to ultimately relieve him with Wandy Peralta. Um, or maybe it was even Albert Abreu at that point. But the Yankees getting final outs in games has been a problem all year, and specifically recently, especially with Chad Green having a hard time, Zach Britton having a hard time. Their best option has been Loisagon. It was not close to easy in game one yesterday against the Red Sox of the doubleheader. But they win that game in Chicago, deep breath, Sunday, same story 
another game that you are breathing heavy, your heart is beating fast at the end of the game, as it looks like they're going to close it out with ease. But no, the tying run comes to the plate again, and again they close it out. Then they have the Angels. They get them one game in the Bronx, a makeup game for uh, the series from earlier in the year. They beat the Angels, and that game you feel pretty good about that, and now you're coming into Boston with a chance to actually overtake Boston in the standings. And what do they do? They do just that. They sweep them. The doubleheader was crazy. The first game, after they went down 3-2, I really didn't think the Yankees were coming back. I was like, you know what? It's nice. It's fun that we've come this far, that we've gotten this close to Boston. Boston's been bad recently. But at the end of the day, we just can't beat them. We've proven that all year that we can't beat the Red Sox, so we're just not going to beat them again. But I was proved wrong. The Yankees came back in that game, ultimately win the game. What was it? 5-3. And obviously, again, ninth inning, Jonathan Loizaga with the bases loaded, nobody out with a two-run lead. First, after striking out one guy, he gets the 3-0 count, or maybe he got the first guy to pop up. Yeah, he got a line out to left field, and then he gets the 3-0 count to the next batter. Throws him a couple pitches to make it, or one pitch to make it 3-1, and then the next pitch, he bails him out by swinging at a fastball up and in, out of the zone. Would have been ball four, walked in a run, and put the tying run on third. Instead, it's 3-2. Loisega strikes him out and then strikes out the next batter to end the game on three pitches. He's fired up. I love him as the closer going forward. Obviously, don't think it would happen. The next game, they get two solo shots, and that's all they needed. Two solo home runs from Luke Voigt and Joey Gallo, or sorry, Giancarlo Stanton, actually. And they win that game. They win 2-0. Again, Chad Green, you're obviously sweating in the ninth inning when he's on the mound, but he got the job done, and it was actually pretty painless for Chad Green to close out that game in the ninth. And the Yankees sweep the doubleheader, and everyone's really excited. We swept the doubleheader. We're now tied for the, the wild card. All is good. Only you think, you know, now they got to kind of do it again tomorrow. They really have to come through tomorrow. And guess what? Tomorrow came. That was tonight. And they pulled through with Andrew Haney on the mound. I did not. Uh, I would never have expected. Seven innings, one run, only two hits. He had a couple innings where he walked the leadoff guy. And you're like, oh, well, this is what Haney does. He walks the leadoff guy and then he gets himself in trouble. He didn't let it happen. He didn't get himself in trouble. The defense was excellent behind him. They got a double play or a couple of them. And that's all they needed. Andrew Velasquez comes up with big hits. Anthony Rizzo makes his presence felt, both with the RBI in that second inning where they scored the four runs and also at the end of the game, making two excellent plays at first base uh, that really helped them close out the game. Chapman comes in. It's his first time after... Uh, the injury coming back, and he did not look great. I think his first fastball was like 94 miles an hour, and I was like, uh-oh, this can't be good. He strikes out the first guy, then gives up a bomb into the bleachers in left field. Um, and then, obviously, he ultimately can't close it out, and Lucas Litke has to come in. I don't know what the big idea is bringing Litke in in that spot as a lefty to face a right-hander. I know Verdugo was next, who would have been in the left-hander. So had he not been able to get the right-hander out, which was Palacqui, he would have had to face Verdugo because you do have to face three hitters. So maybe that's why they bring Licky in and not go to a guy like Green or even Loizaga. I know Loizaga pitched two innings yesterday, but just getting one big out out of him 
but it worked. Licky gets the ground ball, soft ground ball, left side. Odor lets it go through, and Velasquez has to make an absolutely absurd play that, who knows, if it's called safe on the field, they don't overturn it. Because he was called out on the field and watching it live in my seats from the suite, which you have a great view, I did not think he was going to call him out on that play. He calls him out. They can't overturn it. They look at it for a long time, but the replay wasn't enough to overturn. Funny, actually, my friends who were watching it on TV said, oh, it looks like he's safe. But the replays that they were showing at Yankee Stadium, they just kept showing the same couple of replays that really made it look like he was out. So ultimately, the ruling on the field stands, as they say in the NFL, when they can't confirm the call on the field, when they don't know for sure one way or another. And just a crazy win. The Bronx explodes. They play New York, New York for the second time because they played it after the initial out call and then cut the music, did the replay review, and then did it all over again. Crowds fired up, sweep the Red Sox. Listen, lots of work to do, but there's a lot to break down in between. Let's work a little backwards. Let's start with the Luke Voigt stuff. Um, so yesterday he comes out after the game. And Luke has always been extremely honest. So this is just something I've wanted to talk about. Luke Voigt has always been extremely honest. And I think, honestly, he was benched today. Um, Aaron Boone kind of didn't say it straight out, but he kind of did say it. And in a couple of spots that maybe he had an opportunity to bring in Luke Voigt to pinch hit late in the game, he did not. So I would think that maybe he was benched. Um, ultimately, I guess, he, who would you have brought him in for? Maybe Velasquez in that bottom of the eighth inning. But Velasquez comes through with the RBI and... He makes the big play in the field defensively that had you had to bring Tyler Wade in to play defense after pinch hitting with Luke Voigt, you wouldn't have gotten that defensive play from Tyler Wade. Um, even though Tyler Wade's a very good defender, Velasquez is that good. So Luke Voigt coming out and saying, hey, I deserve to play as much as Rizzo. They brought him over here because I was hurt, but, you know, I deserve to play as much as him. It's okay to say I'm ready to go. I want to play. But calling out another teammate and kind of asking for his job. First of all, the optimal lineup is with them both in the lineup. It would consist of Stanton having to play the outfield, Stanton, Gallo, and Judge in the outfield left to right. And then you put Luke Voigt at the DH because he's not as good of fielding as a first baseman as Rizzo. You see what the lefty, righty, lefty that they've been doing in the lineup does for this lineup and what pitchers and Alex Cora, the moves he's had to make over the last two days because they've had the lineup set up like that does. Rizzo's a better hitter. He's got better energy. He's more of a contact hitter. He's more of a little bit of a different hitter than the rest of the guys in the lineup, as opposed to Luke, who's very similar to some of the guys in the lineup. Not a knock on Luke, who's a great hitter, but he's just very much more of the same. And he's not the fielder um, that Anthony Rizzo is and the leader out there also on the field. So him saying that he's just as good and he deserves playing time, first of all, just not true. Um, and second, you can't call a teammate out like that. What you should say is, Hey, you know, I know this guy's coming back, but I'm ready to go. And him bringing up his whole resume. We know what you've done. Like it's, it's okay. You don't need to tell us you were top 10 in MVP. Like first of all, top 10 in MVP. Does anyone even look at that? Um, it just, I'm not sure how much that endears you to your teammates. Um, I know a lot of fans did like it because he's saying he wants to play and everyone wants to hear from guys that they want to be out there to help the team. But you got to say, I want to be out there to help the team. Not, I want to be out there because I finished top 10 in the MVP last year and Rizzo shouldn't be here right now. That just doesn't sound good. Um, so I understand why he didn't play today and 
maybe he was benched. Boone said he did speak to him, whatever that means. Um, like I said, Stanton's going to have to play the outfield. I think in a playoff game, that's ultimately the lineup you put out there uh, with Stanton in the outfield. Speaking of Aaron Boone, um, and he did have to speak to Luke today, and he's been doing some excellent managing. So there were two points. Uh, I actually just went on with J- John Dostromsky and JJ on Green Room. He was at the game tonight also, and so he does, does the uh, Spotify Green Room after the game for his podcast, New York, New York. Uh, it's on The Ringer, obviously, long time on WFAN prior to being on The Ringer, which is Bill Simmons' podcast network. Um, he talked about uh, a bunch of things. We just had a fun time talking Yankees, but a point, a couple points that I made uh, in talking to him tonight was the first one is that Aaron Boone earlier in the year kept saying, look, we've had so many gut punches. We've had so many tough losses. And I've written down the list somewhere. I don't have it now. Obviously, I'm driving. Um, But you think about it. You think about the Minnesota game with Josh Donaldson. You think about the two Altuve games, one in the Bronx, and obviously the terrible one going into the All-Star break in Houston. You think about some of the Boston collapses, especially the last time they played Boston, when they were already playing pretty well. You think about some of the Sunday trying to go for the sweep, close out a series games, even the 14-0 game against the Rays. You think about the first game with the doubleheader against the Mets on the 4th of July. So many different times the Yankees have just been knocked out with these games. Heck, I just started the podcast with it talking about the Field of Dreams game. That was another one. And every time Boone would say, well, look how the team responded. Look how we got up off the mat. Look how we, we keep coming back. And I kept saying, you keep coming back to what? To continue to lose? Because they weren't winning any games. And that drove me nuts that he kept the the positivity and saying, oh, this team keeps coming back. We keep coming back. We keep coming back. They didn't keep coming back. But now they have. Even in this stretch where they've been extremely good since July 4th, since that game against the Mets, that game, one of that doubleheader, they've had so many games like that. They've still had a bunch of those gut-punching losses. And yet in close games, when all the fans are sitting on pins and needles saying, oh my God, they're going to blow it again. Oh, here we go again. The team themselves does not feel that way. They go out there, no matter who it is closing out the game or the different guys, they've come back time and time again and actually shown heart, shown grit, and shown fight that they hadn't shown all year. And you got to give Boone credit because I guess he was right. And the positive thing about this going forward is if they do make it to a playoff series, they make it past a wild card game. Now they've had so much experience and so many times where every playoff loss or every time you go down by a couple of runs in the playoffs, it feels like a gut punch. It feels like, oh my God, how are we going to come back from this? And now they've had so much experience doing that. They've had so many times that they've had to do that. And you trust this team to do that almost. And Boone was right. Another thing Boone's done recently, and, and that's a huge point, just that's that's one point, that's a huge point. But the second point is, earlier in the year, um, Aaron Boone, it felt like, almost didn't have to manage a lot. It was like, of course, Stanton's going to be DH today, and every third day he'll get the day off. And it just felt very scripted. And when he talked about the team being lifeless, and the team having no heart, and this just trotting out there every day doing the same thing, it was kind of just also... You know, I think what's it, what's the definition of um, insanity? It's doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Um, it, that was what was happening with the Yankees, and then 
Boone was kind of getting blamed because nothing was going well, and he'd bring in Chapman for the ninth inning, and Chapman would blow it. And after the game, he's like, well, Chapman's the closer, so we trust him to get it right. And Stanton would swing at pitches that are four feet out of the zone, which he's still done, even though he's looked better out there. Um, and he's like, well, Stanton's our DH. You know, we have to have him in the lineup. He has to bat fourth for us. He's a big part of this this lineup. And that would be that. But with all the injuries and all the different COVID stuff and all the things going on surrounding the team and guys like Andrew Velasquez coming up and guys in the bullpen struggling the way they have with Chapman or Green or Lo- even Loisaga a little bit, everyone's struggling the way they have and all the different things going on around this team. Boone has had to manage more than ever and one of the things that we always complained about as Yankee fans with Joe Girardi is his over managing he'd bring in a reliever for one batter then come in bring in another reliever for the next batter and obviously you can't do that now with the three batter limit but he'd bring in a pinch hitter for this and then the second the guy got on he'd bring in a pinch runner and then every time he'd put the make sure to put the best fielding defense out there for the bottom of the eighth and ninth inning Aaron Boone has kind of been doing that quote-unquote over-managing thing, and it's been working. Every button he's pushed, whether it's Albert Abreu in a huge spot, or Wandy Peralta, or Andrew Velasquez getting the start today, or whatever he's done, even Tyler Wade playing in big games, everything he's touched has turned to gold. And for a guy who's complained about Aaron Boone all year long, a guy who's been down on Aaron Boone all year long, I gotta give him credit where credit's due. I Listen, the guy is a person, every time you listen to him talk, whether it's on Carton Roberts or even in the post games, you know, you get a feel for his personality, you get his feel for his feel and his, you know, love for the game. And you, you gotta, you, you kind of have to like the guy, you root for the guy, but he just seems so lost out there sometimes or just doing things so by the book. Now he's kind of shown that he really does have a true feel for the game and it's made a world of a difference for this Yankee team. Um, and I, you can't give him all the credit. Obviously, the players have to go out there and execute. And no matter who he's put out there and what spot, they've gone out there and executed. And Aaron Judge has gotten a little hotter. Like I said earlier, Stanton's hit a little bit more. Luke Voigt's been big. Even DJ LeMayu's been better, although he's still inconsistent. And that's big. That's that's just something that's been happening with the Yankees. And if you're going to bash Aaron Boone when they were bad, and I'm not saying Aaron Boone is the greatest manager, but if you're going to bash him when they're bad, you got to give him some credit when they're good. You can't just say it's all the players. You can't shift it away from him. So that's me giving Aaron Boone some credit. All right, going forward, here's what's got to happen, though. Like I said, and let me just run through one thing before we talk about what happens going forward. Some of my complaints earlier in the year, the team's lifeless. Uh, no, they're not lifeless anymore. You see how they come back in games. You see the second game of the doubleheader yesterday, Wandy Peralta and, you know, Luis Hill and all these guys are on the top step of the dugout, super, super into it, super involved in the game, rooting for the final out. Um, so I, I wouldn't say they're lifeless anymore. They're too right-hand heavy. It's just the same thing over and over again. They're strikeout or bust. No, look, Joey Gallo putting down bunts the other way has got me so excited when they're overshifting on him and he just gets a bunt single when they need a big hit. Uh, You know, Anthony Rizzo is a contact guy. Anthony Rizzo is a smart guy. We haven't seen them making the mistakes on the base paths. They've been playing smart baseball. Their defense has been good. They've been hitting cutoff man, doing all the right things. Even Gary Sanchez being alert. You know, some people said he could have probably made the tag 
at the plate for the two-run single that Xander Bogarts hit. But instead, he throws back behind the runner at first and gets him out. You know, that was the play that was in front of him. He was alert enough to make that play. Instead of saying, oh, he should have gone for the tag, that was an iffy play. Maybe he doesn't get it because he came out in front of the plate to get that ball. So if he has to wait back, catch the ball, and then go make the tag, who knows if he makes the tag. I like the play that he made, and it just showed awareness. So that's not a problem anymore. You talk about, you know, Aaron Boone and his management. Well, like I said, everything he's touched has gone, has turned to gold. All these things that I talked about with the Yankees earlier in the year and all my complaints that I had have kind of gone by the wayside. And listen, I'm not going to say, you know, I'm not going to say I didn't never said I, I thought they were bad. I thought they were terrible. I wanted them to lose so that they could make changes, but they didn't have to. They made the necessary changes. I'm, you know, when they were making these trades at the deadline, like I said, I didn't get too excited from the Gallo trade. But once they made the Rizzo trade, I was like, oh, wow, they are really committing to this year. They want to make it happen this year. And that's what's happened since then. Um, obviously, Rizzo was missing for part of that time. But since those trades, the Yankees have been a totally, completely different team. And that's what's been impressive about this Yankee team. Um, they've completely turned around, and no one could have expected it. I didn't expect it. Um, I really thought they were just going to fold up and have to change things around. But they've changed the mentality midseason, um, and now they got to keep it going. So I talked about – that's what I started saying before. What do you expect from them going forward? Well, you can't be complacent. That was another thing I had complained about the team being earlier, the complacency. And you still see some of the stubbornness. That was another one of my big things. Oh, they're so stubborn. They need to outsmart everyone. You know, I talked about it when they traded Wandy Peralta. They got Wandy Peralta for Mike Talkman. Well, that ended up being a good move, obviously. But, you know, I talked about their – you look at their stubbornness, putting Greg Allen down in the minors because he has options so that they could go get Jonathan Davis, who outside of making one nice catch has done nothing – for this team, I mean, he's fast and looks good in a baseball uniform because he wears his pants cool, kind of like Fernando Tatis. Um, but outside of that, like, there's no reason to have Jonathan Davis, but they're always trying to outsmart everyone. That's still frustrating. You could have argued that starting Andrew Haney tonight was one of those moves, but how did that work out? That worked out really well. Um, so going forward, there's a few things you have to see. Don't fall back into your, you know, into your old habits just because now you've caught up. All right, you've caught up with your terrible start. Now there's 41 games left. You've caught up with the damage you did in the first half. Now you have to move forward. Now you have to get better going forward. You're still not you're still a wild card team and you're only one game up in the wild card. You're not guaranteed that you'll have that spot in a couple of weeks. You saw how quickly things could change with the Red Sox. So, it could change the other way. So, if you're the Yankees, you can't get complacent. If you're Aaron Boone, you got to keep managing the way you're managing. I like that Chapman came back tonight, but he wasn't like, okay, I'm married to Chapman. It's his mess to clean up. He had someone warming behind him. He said, you know what? I'm going to make a move if I have to. And that's something you want to see from the manager. A little bit of over-management, just a sense of urgency for this team. And that's something we've seen the last few weeks that we hadn't seen earlier in the year. So you want to see that going forward. And you want them to keep playing like they're underdogs. It's something that's so interesting. I don't think making the playoffs is a good enough outcome for them this year because the expectation prior to the season was 
American League champions or bust. You wanted them to go to the World Series after coming close in 17, 18, 19, 20 and not making it to the World Series, not even making it to the championship. You expected them to do it this year. And just because they got off to a terrible start, the expectation shouldn't change. That should still be the expectation. So making the playoffs and saying, wow, we were down big and we really came back. And then if they lose in a wild card game or, you know, the division series, I wouldn't want to go back and say, well, you know, we had a nice comeback. Look at us. We had a nice comeback. That wouldn't make me happy. I wouldn't, I wouldn't enjoy that. So they got to keep going, go hard, um, and really play with their hair on fire and, you know, kind of the sense of urgency they have. And let's hope they can keep it going. Fingers crossed. Let's go Yankees. Start spreading the news I'm leaving today I want to be a part of it New York, New York These vagabond shoes Are longing to stray Right through the very heart of it New York, New York I want to wake up in a city that doesn't sleep And find I'm king of the hill Top of the heap These little town blues Are melting away I'll make a brand new start of it In old New York If I can make it there I'll make it anywhere It's up to you New York, New Never sleeps and find I'm a number one, top of the list, king of the hill, a number one. These little town blues. It's up to you, New 